Blog Talk Radio.
culture, our roots, our ancestors. And we have, through Kwanzaa now, created a much bigger platform for which ATR, traditional African-based religious systems, could then really grow and flourish in the 1980s, 1990s, and, and into the present day. So I acknowledge Kwanzaa and all of those of you who do acknowledge Kwanzaa. That's one of the real reasons that we acknowledge Kwanzaa. I invite you to explore a YouTube video that I posted earlier today on my uh, Facebook page uh, entitled The Black Candle, narrated by Maya Angelou. And this is an hour or something. Listen, it's really understated if you look into the picture, how it's presented, just what's said, and the, and the little bit of information that's entered in the YouTube um, along with the video, but it's really a document of the Black Power Movement in the 1960s and 1970s, um, the conditions in which Kwanzaa were created in, why Dr. Karenga felt the need for Kwanzaa, and then how that has, has uh, uh, evolved into many other aspects of our, of our community and society. So I want to have a generic conversation about Kwanzaa, I want to talk about unity, and I want to talk about unity in, in a real way. For those who are familiar, you say Habargani, what's the news? The news of the day is Umoja, Umoja, which means unity. And again, I want to kind of look beyond what's most obvious, what's most pushed, what's most promoted as we generically explore any holiday, any practice, any tradition. And indeed, there can be no real outward demonstrations of unity without having it unified by itself, without first being whole unto, unto oneself. And I want to say greetings to Keona and everyone who's present in the live chat on both Blog Talk Radio and um, YouTube Live. I'm certainly grateful for your assistance, um, Keona, while I try to do and read and look at so many different things at one time. And so I'm grateful for your, your help. Um, I offer anyone who has a question, comment, or request to type them in either platform, in all capital letters. Give me a moment to, to respond to it, and I'll be more than happy to answer or respond to your, your capitalized um, text here live on, on air. And of course, if you're listening by way of Blog Talk Radio or would like to listen in and call in by way of Blog Talk Radio, your microphone, if you will, that number is area code 845 
mutual benefit and as a principle and harmonious togetherness, not simply being together, not simply just sharing space, uh, if you will, but a more uh, holistic approach to unity and a unity that must first begin with the self. Now, for many of us existing in today's culture, today's society, today's world, today's ills, um, with any level of negativity present in your past, in your childhood, in your family lineage, in your bloodline, in your upbringing, in your experience, we live in a culture, as I uh, expressed yesterday, that is uh, taking negativity or negative energy and sort of turn it into an art form. Uh, and so it shows up in our cartoons, it shows up in our sitcoms. It's, it, it is indeed a part of our reality, and artisans will often seek to use reality as a platform for, for their creation, for their art. But it also, in my opinion, solidifies um, a network of negative energy that would not have existed prior to the Internet. person would have, for example, kept their negative feelings and negative thoughts, their negative um, uh, ideas about what reality is, what unity is, what life is, mostly to themselves or to their peer group, whereas now, um, as my dad used to say, misery likes company. And so you can find any group, any social network, online that will support you where you are. It doesn't necessarily mean that people are interested in you growing, in you evolving, in you changing. And so if we feel stuck, if a person feels stuck, if an individual feels stuck, then indeed we send out a vibrational pattern and often attract other stuck people who agree, who who empathize, who sympathize who understand, but who do not necessarily have, even for themselves, the answer. How do we move forward? How do we heal? How do we grow from this? So the pessimist would say, you will not be supported. You will not be celebrated. There is no real show of unity. You will not be loved. You will not be appreciated. And in that, relative truth, if that is indeed your relative truth, I say find your purpose. Find your purpose. But if you are a creator, a self-creator, understand the power of recreating your reality. And, and even if the illusion is presented of disharmony, disunity, lack of support, lack of celebration, lack of love, lack of appreciation, lack of purpose, find your purpose. And that purpose should be greater than yourself, greater than yourself. Artisans perform art, create art, produce art. And it's easy to say that we, because I count myself in the number of artisans, produce art just for self, just for self-gratification, just to hear our thoughts crystallized, formulized in some way outside our head just for ourselves. 
often the art is intended to shape the world, shape feelings and emotions and, and consciousness, and, and, and allow each individual the opportunity to view the art, see the art, to internalize the art, to take it from an understanding and, and take it into a deeper level of understanding and find their own place in, in what's being produced. When we say unity, however, we're not talking about art. We're talking about something that, that takes on arms and legs and a head and a body in the spirit realm based on how each person identifies with unity and what unity is. People unify for all sorts of 2020. People unify for economics. <laughs> People unify for power and control. People unify for leverage. And it does not always mean that there's any real stuff there behind that, that unity um, that ties them at any deeper level. And, and the idea of family and community is implied. It's written into Kwanzaa. It's written into to how we use emoji and the concept of unity um, right from the beginning. Um, Adrian Dorsey, please forgive me. I'm going to answer your question. Um, just give me a second, okay? Just give me another minute and I'm going to answer your question. So even as we approach the idea of emoji and unity, we first must be undivided within ourselves. And, and, and many of us are still divided within ourselves. Even in the idea of, of stepping away from what many view as tradition, what others view as religion, uh, you know, a tradition based in a religion, you know, about Christmas and Christmas tide and Christianity and, and all the stuff that goes along with that. And so you, you're already, already, and, and I don't want to skip ahead in our, in our uh, Kwanzaa principles, but you're already setting up a path of self-determination by choosing to honor and acknowledge something because you want to, because it reinforces something in you, in your family, in, in yourself that helps you to continue to evolve as a conscious being as a person who knows who they are, who, who understands where you come from, who understands the history, who understands the past, and then can use this vehicle, which are the seven principles of Kwanzaa, to carry yourself and the community forward. I asked yesterday, what are you doing right now? Not at this moment, not watching me, hearing me, but what are you really doing right now? Are you just living? Are you just existing? Are you just paying bills? Are you just walking through, you know, like a robot, like on autopilot, doing what you feel you have to do, what's necessary? Are you walking in your truth? Are you indeed walking with a sense of of purpose? You know, another principle later down in the week, and, and I think you have to be whole, whole in these principles, just like we have to be whole in terms of our seven chakras, 
just like we have to be whole in terms of operating in Lukumi or, or voodoo or voodoo or, or, or Santeria appropriately and in order and in progressive order, having built a foundation, having created a, a body, but ultimately operating from a head that's clear about why you're here, what, why you're doing and what you're doing for. So, so my question is not shade. My question is, what are you doing? What are you really doing? And, and are you feeding your purpose? Is it, it built into your destiny? Are you walking truly in the path that, that's right for you, that mirrors you, that, that not only mirrors you, but allows an opportunity for you to continue to grow and advance and get to the next level and the next level, particularly those levels that we can't immediately see or immediately comprehend. We often move from a reactionary, defensive position, and life sort of happens, and then we respond to it, as opposed to having the time and the forethought to take a breath, to breathe, to take in some fresh air, some oxygen, to allow to see the, the stars on, on the darkest night, <laughs> um, which is the new moon, and, and see other things beyond just our everyday waking reality. I think all of that is implied, not necessarily written or instructed, in just coming to unity being the very first principle. Um, that Dr. Karang has decided to acknowledge in the the system, in the celebration that we now know as Kwanzaa. I appreciate each and every one of you for being present. Those of you who I've recognized by name, those of you who I haven't, please forgive me. I acknowledge each and every one of you. Thank you, Robin Johnson from Kalen, from my land. <laughs> from where my people are in Mississippi. I'm grateful for Adrian Dorsey and everyone who's present. Um, please, Adrian and all others listening, type your questions in all capitals. Uh, it absolutely helps me in seeing questions sooner so that I can respond to you uh, directly on the air. Uh, and if I skip the question, please forgive me. Adrian's question just sort of jumped out at me. Uh, Adrian Dorsey says a lot. Please explain how immaterial entities benefit from material food and water and how. Um, if we go back, Adrian, to earlier cultures, earlier practices, earlier systems, and often we, you know, look at ancient Egypt, we look at Kemet, we look at Mewo, we look at uh, Nubia, um, we look at... Um, uh, Mesopotamia. We, we look at, at the oldest archaeologically documented cultures that we, we know of. And I say archaeologically documented because often without stone, without copper, without items that suggest um, habitat, a lifestyle, a way of doing something, then often these older cultures, like Lemuria, like Atlanta, um, still sort of exist in this realm of, of, of the unknown. Um, so 
if we look at ancient Egypt, for instance, and the idea of preventing food and water and offering, not just to the God, which is about your question, and I'm going to explain that directly, but also to the greater culture, particularly in the context of unity. So, so the grain, the wine, the fruits of, of the efforts of the people were being gathered in these ritual spaces, ultimately in the, in the right condition for the benefit of all, not just to feed the power, the deity, the loa, the orisha, the ancestor. Now, there are some, some offerings that we present, that we lay down, that we don't intend for human consumption, that it's indeed specifically for the power that we're trying to feed, that we're trying to placate. And then there are other produce, beverages, uh, cooked food items that are also presented that are sort of sanctified, if you will. Christians might look at that as like praying over their food, uh, uh, consecrating food even to a power, to a deity, and then it lending its Ashe, which is a Yoruba word, Ashe, or energy, or power, or gift unto the food, and then consumption of that. So there's always this practical application in the African indigenous context, as well as sort of the spiritual application of offering material in, uh, entities benefit from material food, water, um, and the like. And so the statuary or the shrine or the place in which the offering is being presented, which is often going to be presented in nature, even if presented in this sacred space, it's then ultimately carried out in nature. It's sort of an a emblematic, emblematic process. There's actually a word for that in ancient Egyptian hekta or magic. And in a more modern context, it doesn't readily come to my mind. Um, if you give me a moment, I'll, I'll find it. But it suggests, as it is above, so shall it be below. That that we sort of do, replicate, act out, give energy to in this material realm, ultimately resonates back to the spirit realm. Now, another way of looking at that might be, how do you apply your good? How do you apply your gift? How do you then apply your, your weight? Uh, often, as I started out, it's paying the bills, it's keeping the lights on, it's, it's, it's keeping a roof over yourself and your, and your family paid, particularly in this more modernized context. But many of these practices, these traditions of offering food, offering beverage, offering cigar, offering smoke, have its origins in much older cultures that predate our concerns about the energy company, the water bill, gas for your vehicle, uh, et cetera. We're talking about people who lived closer to the land, closer to the cycles of the moon, as well as the sun, the cycles that affect crop reproduction, that affect water availability or, or the lack thereof, you know, things that are nature-based. And voodoo is nature. I don't, I don't know if this is your first time listening to me or if you've heard me say this before, but, but voodoo is indeed nature. And so without voodoo, I mean, without nature, there really is no voodoo, no ephah, 
Norcon, you know, in terms of spiritual practice and the relationship. So even if we if we look at, I'm not suggesting anyone believe or not believe, but even if we look at, you know, books like the Old Testament, um, where sacrifices are being being made, offerings are being made, and, and are said to be consecrated, created by the God, Allah, Jehovah, you know, however, you, you know, you those who view the book view God. Um, I have that knowledge and understanding, as many do, that voodoo sort of predates all of that, uh, that sort of ritualized practice. Often the modern mainstream religions say that's pagan, you know, uh, uh, sort of group it all in together into this pot, which sometimes gets also mixed into the, the witchcraft pot. But there's a, a connection between that which we reinforce in the physical. Um, even there's this modern thing of creating vision boards. And so you put the things that you want, you put the things that you desire on this vision board with the understanding that it somehow keeps it fresh in your, not just fresh in your mind or in the forefront of your consciousness, but somehow moves it then into a realm of consciousness that's not quite explainable by science that creates and recreates our reality based on what we believe. And, and sometimes seeing something reinforces belief. Chewing a god, a pharaoh, um, creating a symbol, a concept that resonates with a power, feeds that power, and then creates this, this energy that, that we call Ashe, uh, that, that the ancient Egyptians might have called Heka, that then fuels some reality manifestation that, that is calculable. Um, otherwise, we have to really question why past humanity, even in the presence of math, held on to beliefs of gods and magic and, and voodoo and our ability to sort of manipulate consciousness. Um, I've talked about Einstein, who sort of created and, and, and wrote our understanding of string theory. And in that, it is said that we have to exist in at least 11-dimensional spaces all at once in order for our reality, our, our sense of conscious reality, to be what, what we know it to be. And so he went on to explain that in each of those realities, there's another reality that mirrors this reality, but I might be wearing gold, you know, pink. I might be wearing um, American clothes, cowboy outfits. Uh, but then there are realities that go into what we call our imagination, um, other life forms, other shapes of life, other explanations and definitions of what humanity is, or, or even what our reality is. And so when we dream or imagine, or artisans who I view as another form of spiritualism, because they go in and out of this creative space, that we relegate to this box of imagination, but string theory and mathematics and spiritual science says that we create and recreate in that realm, and it then absolutely affects what we experience on the material 
level as our as our reality. So we feed ancestors and we feed gods and and, and orishas and and loas and deities with the understanding that they absorb our energy and the energy implied and in some cases embedded in the organic material that's being presented. And, and so that, that's why we do it. That's why we do it. Um, for, for some of us, it's not just about faith-based activity. Um, it's about reliable, repeatable, uh, experience-based exchange with spirit. And so I often argue that this is available to everyone. This is available to anyone who then chooses to become aware of it, to become a conscious of it, to, to take it into their spirit. It's like sitting in the classroom and the teacher's talking and, you know, you're 13 or 12 and your eyes are glazing over and you're thinking about the next party or being at the roller skate party or, or being at the go-go or, you know, being out, you know, outside of this space and time. And so your mind literally leaves that space and, and you miss whole sections of what's being said, what's being written on the chalkboard, what other, you know, children in the classroom are saying. But you might be locked into a daydream. You might be locked, locked into a, a thought, deep into a thought. And so science and math does suggest that we're now entering another uh, creative space, another interdimensional realm of consciousness. And so in, in doing these ceremonies, these rituals, these acts that appear to be, you know, just physical, um, some would say just the act of, of kneeling and praying on the mat and, and standing up again is just a physical act. A Muslim would argue that they're going through an activity that powers them up and, and shuts down some of their more mundane carnal activities and allows them to then focus in on spirit. Um, as a quantum metaphysician, I would say allows them to first ground because they're putting their forehead on the ground and there's an electromagnetic, electromagnetic um, gravitational thing that's happening there and then allowing yourself to be open to spirit. It, it, it's something that humans have learned to do something, to go through some kind of action to connect with. But, but I also suggest that the more you do it, the more activity and, and um, uh, the more uh, um, lucidness you have in the spirit realm, uh, I don't say you have a less you have less of a dependence on your rituals. That means you may, may not need them, want them, apply them. But what happens when you don't have access to your Bible, your Quran, your crystal, your palm nuts, your cowrie shells, your shrine? What happens to the brother and sister that's incarcerated, the brother and sister that goes through the Hurricane Katrina-like disaster, loses all their stuff, and, and then are connected to spirit there. So so there's an implied understanding in your question, um, Adrian, about 
you know, our sort of uh, codependency to some degree on our tools. Um, so that's why I often say if there's a shortcut, it's crystal. It's quartz crystal because it's going to affect the wiring, the consciousness, how we view ourselves, how we view reality, how we see ourselves in terms of our position in reality within this idea of what unity is. I have not always felt unified. As, as a kid on the street at 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, I didn't always feel unified, not from a Christian community, not from the family community, not from within my peer group. Many of my peers couldn't relate to what I was experiencing. Many of my peers couldn't relate to what I was going through. And I think the ultimate test agent for any belief, any, any ideology, is that wilderness period. Either the self-imposed wilderness or the one that is somehow inadvertently imposed on you in life, where you don't have access to your tools, to your stuff, to your gadgets. Um, now you don't even have your cell phone and you can't remember all your phone numbers. Now you can't pull up, Google up, you know, Bing up a website. What then does your belief, does your ideology, do your gods, do your ancestors mean to you then? And, and how then do we connect? And so we fall back on what we know. We fall back on what we can remember. We fall back on what has been demonstrated, you know, and, and in that uh, that environment where you're forced, you know, like imprisonment, you know, um, or, or disaster, to be in a space where you have to be quiet and you have to be still. Many of the things that is suggested in many of the world cultures, in many of the world traditions, a way of just being still. And so our feeding of the, the spirit feeding of the saints, feeding of uh, the deity, it's really an outward show, a physical show of something that's really going on inwardly and then too from within the spirit realm. In the case where the herbs, the airway, the produce, the water has been being applied inwardly, internally, then of course there's that healing element that natural to nature. But without spirit, um, I'm, I'm not sure what life would be w without spirit, without the spirit element. Indeed, human will is attached to spirit um, and our control of, of belief, our control of God and our connection to God and how we interact in and out of God. And, and in my own experience, that evolved and continues to evolve with knowledge, with age, um, indeed with experience. Um, just like science, we test things, we test knowledge. And I tested feeding the ancestors. I tested for myself uh, feeding the spirit. I've tested for myself the effect of, of libation, real libation. Um, and I've tested it from not just voodoo, but from many religious perspectives. I indeed was and experienced many other religions before I settled into to voodoo um, as, as my vocation. Um, I've 
been Christian. I've been Rastafarian. I've been Muslim. Um, I've read other and practiced other and been a part of other ideologies and other societies and other ways of sort of viewing things. And there's a commonality that you find. There's a thread that runs through it that sort of connects these these traditions by experience. Um, I, I would say that if that's unique. It's unique in, in today's culture where everyone doesn't necessarily have the the wherewithal, the will, the want to, the desire to sort of experience um, those traditions in the way that I did. Um, so often people are locked into one thing. Usually that's the thing that your parents, you know, whoever raised you put on to you. And then through life, you come to a, a, a settle into an understanding a place of seeing things that mirrors your inner truth, your your inner sense of reality. I want to invite everyone to be a part of the conversation. If you're in the Block Talk radio chat room or the uh, YouTube live chat room, just type your questions, please, in all capital letters. That makes it easier for me to decipher them from the general conversation. And, of course, I invite you to call in and listen in to my live uh, microphone for you, my live listening call-in number, at area code 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143, by way of blog talk radio. We are the unified at the universal level. What do you think? universe is and how far the universe reaches out and to what extent is the end of the end of our universe, whether you're a scientist or a metaphysician or just a common person who has no knowledge or interest in math or science or astrology or any of that. Just imagine just the, the, the edges, the confines of, of that universe. And indeed, we are one in that. And if that's too broad a vision for your third eye at this time, just the earth itself, we are one in that one asteroid, one large piece of ice, one large rock from outer space could really wipe out all humanity, could really wipe out all life. But we also see that macrocosmic event at a microcosmic level in every cigarette butt that's thrown down, every piece of plastic that's thrown down, every drinking straw that's thrown down to the ground that ends up in our water, that ends up in our ground, that ends up in nature. So there is indeed a oneness about life, about humanity. We say we're one in humanity. We are all one because of, you know, us having a biological commonality, you know, a genetic commonality, sharing our branch of the DNA tree. And we isolate ourselves from the rock, from the plants, from the insects, from indeed other plants and other things that exist in our known sense of what the universe is. So in looking at what unity is, uh, I found that if you're 
divided in yourself. You can't come wholly to an understanding, to a concept of unity, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your, your relationship, your partnership, your friendships, your community your uh, co-workership, you know, all the various relationships that we have outside of ourselves. We must have a unified sense of, of self. Uh, the fact that we experience division is called division idea. And then that's often shaped from outside of, you know, the Republican, Democratic thing, the red, blue thing, you know, the evolution versus the non-believers of evolution versus, you know, all of those things only add extra weight. Black community, African American community, without even considering sometimes the pan African or the unity that is a whole. In your exploration of unity today, today, be sure you're considering that you're unified and you feel how you are standing how you're walking in your truth. Don't let this be another year of vision between how you are living and what you really want to do. Don't let this be another year of division between the life you're living versus the one you really want to live, the one you are in your truth. Don't let this be another year that you look over your self-important idea and look you envision change, not to yourself, but to the great my purpose. My purpose is not clear as voodoo, revolutionary will of voodoo. The, the understanding of the revolutionary, revivalistic power of voodoo is in the history of the world in the revolutionary story of the Africans here in America and how we've had to transcend all manner of racism and supremacy and, and, and prejudices that prevent an illusion of disunity and greatness that will come. But sometimes Sometimes just in how we are living. Sometimes just the quality that might or not relationship and how we communicate uh, in, in the So let this be a day that we truly unity from a pure, pure, and, and how we envision in the coming coming years. In the coming decade, much of what we've debated and argued over with the and 
the same time, some things will get worse and be worse. Others will get better and will be get better. And your choice will affect your position in that. Affect are you going up? Are you coming down? Are, are, are you together? Are you coming apart? Is your glass indeed half full or half empty? Greetings. With me, and I knew you were just a sanitizer for another voodoo, balding secrets, and recipes. so that I may see it and readily identify it. Also, you can call in to 845-277-9143. 845-277-9143. Please press number one on your telephone keypad when you're ready with your straight. Of drinking lemon or lime and, and your cheeks. <laughs> Go ahead. So that's why I sat right after that. For you, Fiona, and your help and helping me to make it. Is in what's happening in the I didn't see that question mark. So I'm 
my question at first. Forgive me. Thank you, Kiona, for your help. Everyone's question is, if someone is cursed, can that impact other people around them? Oh, indeed, absolutely. Person, place, or can affect other or things around them. Now, I get into sort of the hoodoo idea of that, the, the conjure idea. Just from a scientific perspective, understand that all energy is eternal. All energy is created at the Big Bang, and so it's dispersed, just like our universe is carried out. And has made its way into every atom, molecule, uh, energy structure, dark matter in our universe. Back based on how it subsequently passed through uh, these objects, and indeed how it passed through objects and local location based. It's not I have. How it because we didn't have consciousness. We didn't part God, part goddess, part of the creative. So we then can affect how we accept or don't accept or try or release that energy and how we then send it back. So a negative thing. Thing, a dark energy form can pass through you. And according to science, you may feel it, hear it, taste it, measure but, but as feel it from a physical perspective. But as spirit form, which we are part, part physical, but we're also part of things that can't quite be. Scientific, logical sense. You get a person place thing, you know, and then five o'clock, that person is there. In fact, that's happened to me before. These therapeutic uh, groups, I'll say, because uh, of the laws and rules of the groups, I don't want to say too much. Uh, this was somewhere in the Carolinas. And um, there was a guy I befriended. Was kind of odd and quirky, but I'm odd and quirky. Um, and so we connected on some energetic level. I brought the guy home to meet my mama. I may have had a meal, together, you know, deep discussion together. Three weeks later, the guy I knew had in our town. And it's all way So there
that our idea of that material, that 
um, um, humanity. Um, I'm not a proselytizer, but I'm here to you or anyone else uh, in terms of who you are or, or imagine for yourselves. Um, I am here to my experience with it, my opinion, and my
thing, but it's great to get inside. We put in to the and ask to be moved back. So talismans can be used then to protect, then to help uh, acquire, curate what you need. You develop opportunities of doorways that you Dark 
to things to do what was going on, what was happening to, to, to violate me or refuse to acknowledge me, but then to what happened set up I get to answer questions and I die and I had to recenter myself on on my questions are. I may be around a little bit because things keep moving on me. Child 
through and, and to learn. You can't expect the adult to always function uh, healthy and to think clear and to be able to move forward in life if you're not getting sort of the proper nutrients, exercise, rest, chemical in in the body. And so that
what the potential outside of that room is going to be. Outside of that, you know, the inside of that you know, refrigerator is going to look like. There's some experience there. There's some digital information laid down there. So our third eye allows us to dream, to envision, to be just earth based, more than just physical, more than just trust and physicality. What we measure, what can be taken, you know, is that which is not always readily explainable, readily measured, which can always be seen, felt, or, or perceived in, in a um, Our whole idea of prosperity is, what happiness is, what success is that feel like. Formula, you know, produce to, to mix and then have it be comparable to be ethereal or to be in the realm of, of not quite tangible. Um, so our idea of what third eye is has that imaginative creative element to it, but it absolutely has that nerve-based, consciousness-based element to it that feeds to have mobility in the spirit realm. Some of us are just grounded. Ain't never heard the voice of God. Ain't never seen an angel. Ain't never had a had a uh, in the counter. Have never seen her and have never seen things My heart goes out. Our numbing ourselves to tragedy and to negative every day. We're also numbing our nerve. We're also numbing our pituitary gland. We're also
witchcraft or, or any of these things. And that's why I go back and forth between the scientific quantum metaphysical aspect, these practices, uh, and then also the more material, spiritual, you know, nature, nature of these practices. Because it is really about red and blue, left brain and right. Integration of two ways of seeing. Even our physical eyes see things upside down and reverse. And then it is our consciousness, our brain, along with our eyes, that gives us the, the so called vision that we that we have. And when we look at other forms of nature, how do how do birds see? How do insects see? How do worms see? How do bats see? Then we have to also consider the other frequencies, the other ways in which we see and perceive things, and we don't perceive anything based on what's physical. What's tangible? So the third is critical to any work, any understanding, seeing beyond the veil, to seeing beyond what's given to us or on us. Help me out, Keon, if I'm missing. Uh, I've skipped around a little bit, but I think I've covered all questions that are present in the live. Many people can't feel love. I my experience is everybody's experience. And again, when we say when we say holiday, when we say success, love, we are assuming that everyone else has that. We're assuming that everyone else has that. Um, we're assuming everyone else has had that. And so to experience this thing through the um, prism, as, as, as you do, or, or I do, um, contacting your spirit God, um, great question. That can also be a complex question. Um, I think the safest way is to just invite and that show up. And so for me, that happened before. 
spirit guide. Now, spirit guide is tricky because people in our culture can interpret what is an angel, a devil, a jinn, a, a disembodied voice, a, a, a consciousness, and, and how to separate and identify that unquote spirit guide. So all world traditions suggest testing any spirit. Is it of God? Is it here to help? Is it here to hinder? Where is it from? Something true and indeed spirit guide. And the authenticated spirit guides, um, crystal work, um, work. Um, Jeff Bush, 
Embedded in and in the use 